I just received a, a text as I was waiting on the Lord and just looking at the message again from one of my very, very close friends who's in Jerusalem right now. And he said, bro, are you celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles there way back in Waco, Texas? He said, we sure are. And he showed a picture of someone that has a portable booth, a portable little table that he can wheel around town. So he's always in his booth. He's in the Feast of Tabernacles throughout the day. He's just wheeling his booth. That was the first. And 30 years of living there, I never saw someone in a porta booth. And I just wrote back and said, we sure are. I just had the joy of blowing the shofar with Reed and Ross. We had a triple R blowing of welcoming in the Feast of Tabernacles this morning here in Waco. Praise the Lord. All right, I want to start in chat in... Um, uh, in verse 1, Hebrews 5. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. And because of this, he is required... As for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God just as Aaron was. Now these 14, chapter, 14 verses of this chapter are packed with revelation for us today. I'm sure you had some rich sharing around your tables but I love how the writer here is presenting Jesus Yeshua, his Hebrew name, as a priest in comparison with Aaron and shows Jesus Yeshua to be completely fulfilling this office of not only priest, but he fulfilled the office of high priest. And the priest was required to be a man of the same nature of those that he represented, thereby having a capacity to feel fully with them. And he was a public, this was a public office to which he was appointed as a representative to men and to God on behalf of men. And his intercession was compassionate because he also was subject to weakness. So he must offer sacrifices for himself as well as for the people. And he must divinely be chosen and appointed by God. Now look at verse six, uh, verse 5 and 6. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was God who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, You are a priest forever according to the order of of Melchizedek. Now this chapter stresses both Messiah's appointment and his humanity. And the writer is using two Old Testament verses to assure and proclaim Yeshua's divine appointment. Psalm 2 verse 7 and Psalm 110 verse 4. Now what's interesting that I discovered, I didn't know this before, but that when this book of Hebrews was written, anybody remember about when it was written? Before 70 A.D., before the destruction of the temple. 
So these Hebrews to whom it was written had a full concept of what life was like in temple days when the temple was still standing. But it was written, when this book was written, the Romans had selected the man who would be the high priest in Jerusalem. This had never happened before. Because in the Old Testament, it was God who chose Aaron, and Aaron's descendants would always be those of the high priest lineage. And Jesus, like Aaron, was chosen and appointed and called by God, not man. Verse 7. While Jesus was on earth, he offered prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And, he, and God heard his prayers because of his deep and holy reverence for God. Now the term with loud crying and tears does not refer to a one-time description of the Lord's agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. This expression of his heart cry to God was a central element of the Lord's communication with the Father. Now, he did not pray like this all the time. But it must have been frequent enough to really capture the attention of others who watched his life and heard him pray in such a manner that it was recorded. Here's how he prayed. We easily consider the crucifixion with this passage. And Yeshua was in great agony as he prepared to face death. And although he cried out to God, asking to be delivered, he was prepared to suffer humiliation, separation from his father, and even death in order to accomplish the father's will, not his own. Yeshua suffered not because he wanted to suffer, he suffered because he wanted to do the will of God. He wanted to obey. That was his longing passion. And he is our perfect example of suffering. He wanted to do God's will above his own. And he became obedient unto death in demonstrating perfect surrender. And he is the one we are to model in times of suffering. Verses 8 and 9. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest. And he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. In the human life of Jesus, it was not a script that he reluctantly followed. It was a life that he chose freely. We see that in John 10, 17 and 18. He continually embraced the will of his father. Jesus obeyed even though obedience ended up leading to suffering and death. And because he obeyed perfectly, even under great duress and trial, he can now help us obey no matter how difficult that obedience seems to be at any given moment. I want us to look again at this phrase. This is what really caught my heart. 
he learned obedience by the things he suffered. This does not mean that Jesus was ever disobedient. Rather, he learned through experience as a man what it meant to suffer and triumph in a way that he never experienced before his incarnation. He had to learn to live a life of obedience as a human. And that pathway always has suffering as a central element of the journey. Yeshua was always morally perfect. And in the Bible, perfect usually means completeness or maturity. So by sharing our experience of suffering, Jesus shared our human experience perfectly and completely. And as a result, he is now able to offer eternal salvation to all those who obey him and put all their trust in him alone. And it's true that Jesus suffered greatly at Calvary. But catch this. Most of his learning process to obey took place in his human nature all throughout his life. Let me give you some examples. He learned obedience and forgiveness. He had to learn as a human to forgive. When he was hurt, when he was slandered, when he was greatly disappointed. He had to learn obedience through those things which he suffered. He learned obedience and purity by hiding in the scriptures into his heart. Psalm 119, how shall a young man keep his way pure? By meditating upon thy word. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. He learned obedience and servitude by preferring others rather than serving himself. Do you see it? Jesus suffered in the flesh. His flesh told him one thing and the Holy Spirit told him another. And suffering in the flesh is part of the process of learning to choose God's way over our own. It's saying no to the flesh and yes to the Spirit. And that is a real suffering. It's a suffering. And every parent understands that discipline and punishment assist in helping children to obey. Let every parent say amen. amen. Let every grandparent say amen. amen. Discipline and punishment. It helps children to obey. So too hardships are great instructors in life. Now, no one enjoys them. No one seeks them out. But suffering and discipline will always help us grow. And if Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered, what should we expect as sons and daughters of God? 
we often approach God and our faith from a very self-centered point of view. Deep inside, it's not audible, deep inside, what can God do for me? That thought might be subconscious, but I tell you, it is very real in all of us. And because our comfort is often our priority, we assume that it is his also. Because we enjoy it so much, he must enjoy it. But the truth is that God is primarily interested in our holiness and our obedience far more than our comfort. His desire is that as we obey him, we bring his love and his mercy to those around us. And if Jesus learned obedience and was perfected through what he suffered, we should anticipate that God will use trials and hardships in our lives in a very similar manner. When we confront trials and hardships in our lives, here's the question. Do we use those opportunities to submit to the Lord and learn obedience from him? Or do we seek to have them removed as soon as possible? We chuckle because it bears witness. I really love and appreciate the South African pastor and author, Andrew Murray. Every one of his books that I've read has just been packed with insight, conviction, encouragement, understanding. I like what Andrew Murray wrote in one of his books concerning trials. I'm not going to go into the story, but this particular segment saved me in one of my most dire situations. He says, in time of trouble, make these four declarations. First, I am here by God's appointment. God brought me here. It is by his will that I am in this difficult place. And in that fact, I will rest. Now, God gave this to Andrew Murray when he was in a severe trial in the UK. He was in a severe test. God woke him up one morning and said, son, I want you to write this down. Because this is how I want you to respond in the midst of this straight place and hard place that you are presently in. I'm here by God's appointment. Second, I am here in his keeping. He will keep me here in his love. And give me the grace to behave as his child. Third, I am here for his training. He will make this trial a blessing. And he'll teach me the lessons that he intends me to learn. And will work in me the grace that he means to bestow. And lastly, I am here for his time. In his good time, he can bring me out again. How and when he chooses. So in summation, in summation, 
Let me now say this. I am here by God's appointment, in His keeping, under His training, for His time. I tell you, we can't remind ourselves of these truths too often. No one enjoys hardships, trials, or suffering. But if we can understand that through these adverse circumstances, God is teaching us obedience. At least there's a pathway to learn more of how to obey. And he's perfecting in us how to become more like Jesus. So much so that we'll be able to submit to him to whatever situation that we are going through in the midst of it, for our good and for his glory. And never forget that God loves you more than you can ever possibly imagine. More than you can ever, ever conceive of. And he is constantly watching over you and me. And he knows how long and how much that you and I can endure. And here's some good news. What you may be going through right now will not last forever. Thank you, Jesus. And whatever kind of suffering you might be facing today, whether you have something you don't want or you want something you don't have, this is the kind of heavenly perspective that will give you grace and courage and stamina to continue to carry on. Friends, the truth is God will allow us to experience adversity. To see if we will obey. He'll allow us to experience adverse circumstances to see if we will obey. Now that is as hard for me to say it as it is for you to hear it. But you know, let me tell you what I've learned. I've learned that when God allows his children to go through tests and trials, listen to me, it is not a matter of pass or fail. It does not work that way with God. It is a matter of pass or retake. Now, that's the way our educational system used to be here in America. If you didn't pass it, you would retake that grade. And that was a God example. That was a pattern of biblical witness. It's not pass or fail, it's pass or... You're going to go through that again. And how many years will it possibly take for the same situation to occur to where... The test is that severe so that I can pass it this time. We will not graduate to new levels of our intimacy with God or to a greater release of his power unless we pass the test. Obedience is better than sacrifice always. Always. 
And the Holy Spirit is in us to empower us to be victorious in every trial or every test that we face. And if Jesus defeated evil, so can we. If Jesus tasted victory, so can we. If Jesus conquered sin, so can we. If Jesus surrendered fully to the Father's will, so can we. Jesus made the way so that we could follow. He's gone before us to prepare a place for us. A place of victory. A place of abundant life. Quit thinking about some mansion you're going to get. We are so earthly. That's all we can think about is a bigger house. All of this worldly stuff. He's looking at a victorious place. An abundant life place is what he's gone to prepare for us. And friends, he guides us in the pathway of obedience for our growth and our good and his glory. But do we allow him to do that in our lives? And I'll be the first to admit, trials and tests are always difficult. Now, some are more severe than others. You know this yourself. So what do we do in the midst of a trial? Do we complain? Do we seek our own comfort? Do we seek our own happiness? Do we seek to get out of it quickly? Do we fervently pray that God would remove it from our lives yesterday? Listen, I... I've done that a lot over the years. Or do we go through a trial like Jesus did? He always pressed in closer to God. He fully trusted in his Father implicitly. So my encouragement this morning Let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us to become more like Jesus in everything. And don't you think that a prayer like that would be pleasing in the Father's hearing? Well, Father, we do that today. God, we really need your help. But thank you Holy Spirit, one of his names as paraclete is helper, his strengthener, standby, advocate, comforter. Lord, in the midst of our trials, Holy Spirit, God is all that and more. And Lord, thank you for showing and expanding our revelation of suffering today. It's We just suffer in the flesh every time we deny the flesh. Our flesh suffers. But we want to choose obedience to your will more than ours. So Lord, forgive us for how quickly we've chosen our will to be done. And haven't even sought what your will is.
So Lord, I pray. I pray for those that presently today are in the midst of a trial. Are in a difficult situation. God, I pray great grace to come upon each one in that situation. But Lord, you're teaching us today that you allow difficult things to happen in our lives so that we, like Jesus, can learn obedience in a greater measure. We can learn obedience to forgive. We can learn obedience to prefer. We can learn obedience to honor, to encourage. We can learn obedience to do things opposite of what our own heart and life would want. Because it really is, Lord, for our good to obey. It is for our benefit to obey. And it is always for your glory. So, Lord, would you make us more like Jesus? He's the one who learned obedience through what he suffered. So, Father, on this October morning, teach us to obey. And as life circumstances and hardships come our way, and it's going to come to all of us, no exceptions. May our perspective be to learn obedience to you through what we go through. And always have us keep in mind, it's always for our good. It may not seem like that at the moment, but it's for our good. And it's for your glory. Blessed be your glorious name. From this day forth, and forever.